head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 287 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by Graham McDonald and Andy Stevenson to uh, alleviate the damage caused by my fucking strep throat all week. Because I can't really talk that well, so I'm bringing in the two lads. I'm basically a producer on today's show. I'm going to just listen to the two boys talk and I'll chime in, chime in a little bit. T- tell, I'll talk about my disgust, maybe, about fucking severed ears and other stuff like that. Anyway, But how are you anyway, lads? Andy, Graham, Nebot, living this week here. Graham, how are things? Uh, sure, it's only an ear you have too. Like, I wouldn't be worrying too much. An, an ear? It's a throat. <laughs> cosmetic, <laughs> cosmetic damage. <laughs> it's true, yeah, your man's Co- Cosmetic here. damage. <laughs> Andy, how are you? Your annual man flu, Sean, no? Well, annual man flu, yeah, I usually have about two of them, so yeah. Do you not get the Bill Gates vaccine, no? <laughs> no, not yet, I'll stay away from that, fuck's sake. I heard lads on Facebook saying that was no good, I won't bother with it. <laughs> fuck it, why would you? Speaking of man flu... You, you the anti vaccine, Sean, I didn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pro-Facebook, I'm pro-Facebook. Speaking of, speaking of man flu, though, Andy, Manscaped, tell us about Manscaped. Oh, let me tell you about Manscaped. So, support for the Severe MMA podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. We've ju- they've just launched in the UK and Ireland, and we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in Ireland or England to experience their life-changing product. I know it's changed Sean's life immensely since he got his. Oh, look at that there now. Um, I, I think, Graeme, you had a time when I think you hurt your balls, you were using a wet razor or something like that, but but since you've used Manscaped, they've redesigned the electric trimmer. Manscaped engineering team has perf- perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and approved lawnmower 3.0 in the UK and Ireland. I'm, the third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com make your testies their besties that's 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com use code SEVEREMMA and your balls will thank you I'm literally going to be shaving my balls as the lads do the podcast here so let's go on take it away Clover Teixeira versus uh Versus Chago Santos last night, Graham, what do you think? Well, you know, we always kind of talk about how underrated Glover Teixeira is, and we kind of said that, but we still picked Thiago Santos, and it looked like a good pick very early on, but uh, Glover, obviously, a very experienced veteran. He's been around a long time, even won a... Before he had a visa to, to fight in the US, he was Chuck Liddell's training partner. So he's been around a few fights in his time and he, he has a very good fight IQ. And once he realized the kind of takedowns were there, where Santos' uh, ground game uh, pretty easily, I think he, the layoff had a, little, a small bit of a factor. Even though he still he still was dangerous right before right before he was finished, uh, he didn't really look himself. 
Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think he summed it up right. It was just a veteran performance by Teixeira. I mean, he was getting absolutely cracked early on and uh, very quickly uh, switched to the grapple. And so I think once he he got that takedown immediately into mount and he just kind of smashed uh, Teixeira once it was on the ground. I mean, it, it was a case of a kind of uh, like Teixeira or, um, or Santos rather. He was he was always threatening any time he, he got to an advantageous position. Like he was throwing serious bombs. I think it was even in the third. Um, he kind of scooted out and managed to get into top position for about 12 seconds before uh, getting put in his back again. So, um, yeah, very impressed by Glover. I really wasn't expecting it. I, know, I saw a tweet last night, right, from John uh, Bolo. He sent it to me. I thought it was a very good tweet because you, I, I read what he said first. He's like, hard to say this without sounding exceedingly pretentious, but what we witnessed tonight was a true display of powers of the human spirit. A man passed his prime, knocked down twice, refusing to quit on his last chance at a title shot, inspiring. I, I, like, I think that sums it well. I, I tweeted it last night as well. I think this was a special fight. I don't think we realise how special a fight it was. This was a classic fight. This was, you know, a lot of people argue that Thiago Santos is the best light heavyweight in the world. Uh, we were talking last week, as you mentioned, Graham, about like, and I shouldn't be talking this much, but anyway, about how like athletic he is and how bad of a matchup he is for Glover Teixeira. And he came out and he kind of produced that twice in the fight and almost knocked Glover down. And Glover still came back. That was... To me, that is fucking awe-inspiring. This is one of the best performances we had in the UFC this year. It's, to me, it's absolutely unbelievable. I thought Glover was fucking was unbelievable. What, what do you, Graham? What do you like? I know the two of us have praised Glover before, but like from Glover's point of view, this must be one of the best performances of his career, isn't it? Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> a lot of people, as you mentioned, thought that Santos beat Jones, and everybody has a lot. Like, no matter what you think about Jones, uh, personally, everybody has a lot of respect for his game his uh, fighting game and you know uh, he was on a bit of I know he was out with a bit of injury but he was on a he was on a uh, he, he or a Glover Teixeira is coming in against a guy who's who's you know at the would have thought he was at the peak of his of his career and you would have thought okay Glover Teixeira is on a, a four or five fight win streak coming in but you know some of the people like you know Kutalaba Robertson Krylov Smith aren't exactly the top guys and his last loss was to Corey Anderson a couple of years ago so you're kind of thinking oh, maybe it's this is this is kind of I don't know passing of the guard nearly, but as as that tweet said, you know he he he's always had that never never give up. He's always had that uh, real hard nosed veteran old school MMA attitude. Um, and uh, he, he as we always mention, his ground game is severely underrated. Like in, in the commentary, they were saying that Thiago Santos was was training in the gear lot trying to get his black belt, and Sixera made him look like a white belt in there. Just just absolutely destroyed him on the ground, and uh, you could see it was demoralizing Santos as well. So yeah, I think um, he used all his his fight IQ, all his toughness. He used everything he had. Sixera mm-hmm. uh, and a brilliant win. That you know, uh, definitely one of the biggest wins of his career. Definitely. And, and then, uh, what you know? like, uh, I know Israel Adesanya and, and um, Jan Blaho, which are supposed to be fighting for the lightweight title, but like, does this put put the share right back up in the title mix? I know it's what six years now or something since he fought Jones for the title. Um, like he got five fight win streak and taken out Anthony Smith and, and Thiago Santos back to back. That's got to put him right up there for title uh, contention. Graham, what do you think? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. And I think if you put him in there against these guys, like he has a good chance of winning. And if you had asked me a few years, a few years ago if Glover Dixier is going to make another run at the at the title in a few years, I know John Jones has moved out of the way, and that's that's kind of perfect for Dixier. I've not seen him before, 
But uh, yeah, if you put him in there right now against any of those guys, he, I think he has a very good chance as well. Yeah, like I think we, you know, we talked about it a bit before last week with the Bellator one and when other UFC uh, jumps as well. And I, I think they've really jumped the shark in terms of lads moving divisions. You know, and obviously it's because McGregor started doing it. I know that people did it before him, but it was very, very uh, sparingly people did it before him. And I just think there's too much of it now. Like if, if it was Jones still there at 205 and we have that heated rivalry between Jones and Adesanya, absolutely, but like there's n- there's no that Adesanya versus uh, Jan Blahovich fight means nothing to the division. Like it means it, you know it's it's it'd be a great fight, whatever. But like make a fight at light heavyweight between Jones and Adesanya if you want. Give Adesanya a middleweight title fight if you want. But Glover Teixeira deserves one at light heavyweight. That's the fight to make. Let's make that fight. Like, what do you think about the the jump in the divisions? And would would you, Graham? First of all, Dan Andy, would you make the Glover fight against Blahovich, or would you make the Adesanya fight against Blahovich? Yeah, I'd make I'd make the Glover fight. As you say, you know. The the Jones at a Sanya fight would have been absolutely huge, like two kind of reigning long term champions. But yeah, I know it's disrespectful to Jan, but he just doesn't have nobody knows who he is outside of the hardcores or barely know who he is, and even the hardcores don't get excited for his fights. I think it'd be a uh, you know it's 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 a great story Glover kind of making this comeback and you know beating two former title contenders in a row now and uh, convincingly both of them. Well, he had his <laughs> Tiago Santos had his moments where where. With bad for Glover, but yeah. you know, uh, against a guy like Santos, you, you're, that's to be expected. So yeah, I'd, I'd be more excited uh, to watch um, Glover. But if it was John Jones and Adesanya, I'd be I'd be much more excited for that, obviously. But yeah, as you say, uh, I don't know if Jan kind of feels like a placeholder at the moment. Um, maybe he'll prove me wrong, like he always does, and become a long long term champion. But I don't really see it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it really depends on like what the long term plan is with uh, Israel Adesanya and John Jones. Like, are they actually trying to build towards this fight? Because if they are, okay, maybe you do have to kind of do the, the Adesanya Blachowicz fight next, un- unless Jones is going to come back and take his title. But that'd be just it'd just be weird. Like he's after giving it up. <laughs> yeah, Blachowicz is after fighting and winning it, um, and then he what he's just going to come back down and just fight for it again as the challenger. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So. Um, yeah, they're in a weird position because they're kind of like trying to make a super fight but two fights away and that generally just doesn't work out in the end so um, might be better off I mean now is the time there's never going to be another time really for Teixeira um, or Blaho which really I kind of agree that he's generally a placeholder obviously he has a lot of power but I think the title will probably change hands a few times in the next couple of years so um, now is definitely the time for Teixeira but um, yeah I don't know it depends on what the UFC I guess are, are looking to do and how they're trying to market their, uh, their big uh, super fights quote unquote yeah, it, it's an odd one because, like, why, why is John Jones moving? Like, if if the plan is to do John Jones versus Israel Adesanya for the light heavyweight title, like you could have done that, <laughs> you could have done that right now if John Jones hadn't given up his title. It just makes no sense. Obviously, like you know, you said there, Andy, they're t- t- trying to do somewhat long term planning, which I probably agree they are, and which I think most people would agree they they might be looking at, but like. Why didn't they do this long-term planning a year ago? And it would have been a lot easier because you're you're planning for something that was there a year ago to happen again very soon. You know, so it makes I don't know. It makes very very little sense. Like I think as well, we have 
I love fun fights and I I have no problem seeing them. But like I think you know Patrick asked the question there last week. I think it was on the Q and A. Does Habib maybe the belt being away from him make the GSP fight easier to make? And I was like, yeah, it does because the belt's not being involved. You know, makes it a little bit easier, makes it a little bit cleaner. If Jones doesn't have his belt now, if he wants to fight Adesanya, even perfect. If he wants to go up to heavyweight, perfect. But uh, I think that the belts involved when Adesanya has a belt, when Blahovic has a belt, when Glover Teixeira is in the mix as well, it just makes it a little bit more fucking dirty. And I think you need to kind of keep, unless it's a huge, huge, huge fight between two uh, champions that we know, you know the, um, you know we we know are kind of clean, cleaned out the division and everyone's kind of calling for it, or else it's you know I think Sudo or McGregor is in the kind kind of position where they this was their mo, they won a belt and then they moved up, you know. Um, I think you can do it that way as well. But at the moment, I think we need to get back to it a little bit. We need to, <coughs> we need to get back to the champion fighting the next in line. Uh, well, as well, there talk about can. there was talk about Adesanya and Jones happening not at light heavyweight as well. Like they're talking about maybe doing even a catchweight or or doing it at heavyweight. So if that's the case, that makes even less sense to have Adesanya go up and fight for the light heavyweight title against Blahovich because it's like okay, yeah, he'll be a double champ. But then what is he going to jump up again and fight Jones? weight that neither are at their best at and, and Jones isn't the champion at and then what happens with the two belts then uh, if he was to win that so it just kind of makes it a complete mess yeah that's yeah, like this three-way championship thing as well that people keep talking about I just I just don't think that's a gore but however what did you think and you I'll ask you first what did you think of the performance of Chago Santos last night obviously he was out for a year knees to, like to me I, I didn't think he had the most fantastic performance ever Graham said he looked like a fish up a tree on the ground what do you think of his ground game and his performance in general I know we've talked about Glover a bit yeah I mean his ground game just didn't seem to be very existent um, he looked very dangerous on the feet of course but once it got to he was putting his back and he just didn't seem to be able to, to get out of any of the positions um, yeah he, he just seemed lost and, and especially as the, the, the choke was synced in at the end um he just looked completely dejected and, and shocked by it, to be honest. So um, I don't know. Maybe he he was surprised by um, his own uh, lack of, of ground attack or, or defense against Teixeira's offense, or, or maybe he was just surprised that that Teixeira was better than he maybe expected, um, especially at about forty one. Um, it wasn't a great one. I, which way did you guys score the first round, though? Like I know um, he obviously landed some massive shots at the beginning of the round, and many of them. Um, I, I would have given it to, to Shara with the, yeah. the top pressure and the, the yeah. damage that he did from there. I, I definitely thought Glover won it. I just, yeah, I think he la- had too much time on top and landed too much. Graham, how, how did you score the first round? Yeah, I was, I was thinking the same thing, but uh, take down, I was like, we needed to make this, you know, make this um, pay. Um, but he did, and I thought he didn't, it didn't enough to just get the round. But if somebody was coming to me saying, oh, I thought Santos uh, won the round, I, I, I wouldn't, be, uh, wouldn't be arguing too much. Indeed. Um, so yeah, I think like everyone's kind of maybe agreed Glover Teixeira deserves that title shot next. Tiago, like maybe now is the time for Tiago Santos versus Dominic Reyes. They both lost their last two fights. Maybe that fight makes sense now, and you know they can both keep giving out about you know losing to John Jones in, in close fights. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, right, Andy, run us through this Andrew Arlovsky Tanner Bowser. Oh no, you didn't see that, Graham. You run us through <laughs> that. I fucking fell asleep, and just as this fight was starting, and I was walking up by Bruce Bufferson, and the winner is. What, what happened? It was it just boring heavyweight fight as we always see between Andrew Arlovsky and people. Yeah. It was it was kind of Bowser was landed a lot of leg kicks, but they, there wasn't much in them. Uh, they were just kind of 
point nearly point scoring leg kicks and Arlovsky was was going more for the head and they were all pretty close rounds but I, I do think uh, the second and the third were probably the most the most clear for Arlovsky uh, in the first was close again but yeah uh, if it had went either way I wouldn't have been too worried either because you know it depends on how much weight you're putting in those leg kicks versus the the head strikes but I, I like personally I thought Arlovsky deserved to get the nod. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I watched a bit of it. I thought the the first. I watched the first round and I fell asleep after that. But I was like, Arlovsky hit him with a big shot, like right right at the end of the first round. And I was like, oh, that's enough to win that round. You know, it was one of those rounds. So it's interesting maybe to go back and watch that from a scoring point of view. But no, I probably will unless you're probably a judge who cares about it. So uh, after that, then Ronnie Barsolas versus Kalita uh, was a fucking fantastic fight. Uh, Taha managed to survive to the end and but got the 30-27 all the way around looked really dangerous the whole way through with his big left hook so looked fantastic there Jigicic uh, Adze versus uh, Jamie Seibert what do you think of Jigicic Adze and like I think he's one of the top prospects coming through in the UFC what do you think of him? Yeah I was very impressed by him um, Jamie Simmons seemed to be trying to kind of press the action and, and get him up against the cage and engage the grappling but Chikadze did well to kind of defend that and, and break away and, and get into open space again and uh, I mean there was a gulf in classes on the feet Chikadze just seemed to be kind of patiently waiting to, to time his shots and uh, ultimately got the head kick knockout like it was one of those ones that kind of had like a pop to it like landed very very cleanly um, and I, th- I thought he set it up quite well Dominic Cruz kind of was great on commentary here um, just kind of he, he called it kind of before it happened saying that he's looking for that left kick he's, he's timing it and waiting to set it up and then he, he landed a kick to the body and then a, Simmons kind of dropped his hands down to protect there and, and then that up, freed up the head um, and that was all she wrote then um, very very impressed um, I suppose like the It'll be interesting to see how he develops um, and how he fares against kind of the, the higher level opposition. I know they were talking about him potentially fighting at lightweight against, uh, I think John Lennox said Drew Dober, but he, he couldn't confirm it. And then there was also a talk of a fight against Arnold Al, uh, Arnold Allen. Um, I'd be very interested to see that one, but um, I think we do still need to see kind of improvements or, or maybe watch him, kind of see him set things up a bit better um, as he kind of goes up against the, the upper echelon, as Graham would say, um, of the division. Yeah, indeed. I I think he's very good. Well, um, Andy, will you just give out there because I'm too sick to do it about the first round of Jan Jonan versus Claudia <laughs> Gadella, please? Thank you. Go on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so the, the first round kind of went. Um, Gadella was putting it on Jan at the start of the feed. She kind of backed her up with a jab that kind of sent her up against the fence and then got the takedown. Just lying on her, really. She wasn't throwing much at all. Jan was doing all the damage. I mean, there wasn't. It's not like Jan was doing significant, or well, I guess it is significant damage when the other fighters do nothing. But it, it wasn't anything gonna like stop the fight or anything like that, or, or really hurt um, Gadella too much. But she was landing a lot of knees up the middle when the, uh, she was pressed up against the fence, um, and then as they broke out. Um, um, and, or I think uh, Jason Herzog stopped the fight or um, broke them up and, and, and made them fight in the feet. Um, Jan just started putting it on Gadelia. Gadelia got to take down again, but Jan was landing elbows from the bottom, landing a lot of shots from the bottom. Gadelia started to throw, but really wasn't landing as much. Um, so I think Jan did enough. Uh, I don't think it was, I know you were very unhappy with it. I don't think it was like absolutely disgraceful judging or anything like that, but I did think that Jan um, should have got the nod for that first round. I had a 30 it was It was fucking shit. Like that, that's the sort of judging yeah. that we need. We need to it's give. It's old. To it's old judging. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. Yeah, like all you, three judges yeah. gave that round to fucking Claudia Gadelia. That's a disgrace. 
Uh, like that's the, everything that's written in the criteria at the moment. It it spits in the face of it. Like it, because it, they talk about the impactful strikes and not the area control and not the effective aggression. Three fucking lads sitting there did the exact opposite. Like there's no other way you can watch that first round and and give it. I thought it was about ground shooting, Graham. Yeah, well, yeah. Like on the old rules, I can see it for Cadelia, but on the new rules, it's 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 just not. Um, yeah, being on top is great if you, if you do something with it, but if you if you're just eating strikes, it's not really. Um, <laughs> you're not really winning the fight. You're, you're just going to the round. So, obviously, uh, the decision, the overall decision, went to the correct person with rounds two and three. So at least it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a robbery, but yeah, I thought uh, I was surprised that is, I was especially surprised that all of them gave the the round to Cadelli. Sometimes you see one or one or two of them give it, and, but all three is a bit. And you think maybe what did I miss something there? But I don't think so. I think I think they just uh, got it wrong. It seemed like one of those rounds where, like, because Cadelli finally started throwing a few combos as she was getting smashed from. Um, yeah, and underneath there, uh, Gadeta started to throw a couple of hooks to the body or whatever, but like it seemed like it was one of those ones where the judges kind of see that at the end and be like, okay, now she's thrown, yeah, we can give that to her now, when that's just not the case, when she's been getting just kind of smashed for, well, not smashed, but like she's been getting pieced up um, from the from the bottom uh, for the entire round. Yeah, What did you think of Jan overall? Do you think she could be a challenge for Valentina in the, the coming years? Um, a challenge, yeah. Would she beat her? I, I don't think so. I think she's got a very nice jab. Um, she she she's got a very crisp striking. So uh, I don't think she's quite a Valentina's level. But this one was at one fifteen, though, wasn't it? It's a straw. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm, oh, yeah, hang on. Sorry, it's uh, I'm. Uh, Jesus, whoever, Sean, whoever the fucking champion is there, who cares? Yeah. Anyway. Um, who was the champion there? Jesus. Oh, Zhang Weili. <laughs> Zhang Weili. Yeah. No, I'd pick Zhang Weili to be yeah. here. To be honest. Graham. Yeah. Well, she's beaten some good. Like you know, she's beaten Angela Hill, uh, Carolina, now Gajella. That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good streaker on there, but. You know, they should definitely make the fight. Bring it to, to China. To really become a, a serious. Yeah, that fight in China would be fucking huge, yeah. Let's do that, yeah. But, uh, Is it better to have the fight in China, though, and have a Chinese against a Chinese person against a, like a non-Chinese person just for the... Maybe. You know, if, if they were to bring a card to two Irish guys against each other, would it be the same? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Can you read? Interesting to see. Uh, Andy, run us through the undercard there. What, anything stick out to you and give us the results there? Come on. Yeah, so the card kicked off with Gustavo Lopez um, choking out uh, Anthony Burchak um, in the f- uh, first round. So I was very impressed by uh, Lopez. I thought um, he just kind of came out like the Tasmanian devil. Um, and he was, um, I thought that he was just ripping hooks to the body, but then he, the, the level changes in his striking, I thought, were very effective. Like he'd kind of throw a few hooks to the body and then and then work his way up to the top, uh, land in the head. And then once he landed a few hooks to the head, um, he dipped down again and, and got the takedown. Uh, ultimately, he got to the back and, and got the rear naked choke so I was, I was impressed there um, Max Griffin versus Ramiz uh, Brahimaj just an absolutely disgusting I mean the only thing to talk about here is the year um, just Jesus Christ absolutely horrific uh, he landed an elbow from the clinch I think up against the fence and uh, immediately you could just see the ear flapping around and, and the commentators were just in horror uh, Max Griffin was disgusted when he saw it um, just if uh, I can't even it's this, it's horrible oh, um, was, was, it was some severe MMA wasn't it it was, it was fucking like it was one of those things you watch it 
shit and I, I saw a few people kind of tweeting the same things like what the fuck have I done with my life that this is what I'm fucking watching at like one o'clock on a Saturday night I'm watching a man's ear fucking fall off and going oh the referee better fucking stop this before that man gets fucking uh, an amputated fucking ear like it was yeah I saw someone saying Mike Tyson to be proud yeah it was oh jeez it was fucking it was insanity like it was fucking like Max Griffin I thought he had a great performance he was jabbing the fucking shit out of uh, Razim or whatever his name was and then he just like uh, when you're when you fight like that like Griffin when you're kind of jabbing a guy up you need something like this you know you need to elbow the ear off someone to show the impactfulness of your strikes to go along with it and it was uh, it was a really good performance from him but like it's going to get taken away from him a little bit just because your man's ear nearly fucking fell off but it was fucking insane Graham have you ever seen anything as gruesome as this in MMA? <laughs> Well, you kind of mentioned Severe there, uh, and we used to have a uh, Twitter profile of Sakuraba when his ears fell off. Uh, he had a profile picture till uh, John Kavanagh kind of uh, called it out. Kavanagh said it was a it was a bad look, and kind of thought about it and thought, yeah, it probably is. If we're trying to like back, people kind of forget back when we started this website uh, in Ireland and everywhere. Really, MMA was kind of you know, an outcast board and uh, we kind of had to put our, our best foot forward so I decided uh, he's probably right I, I'll, I'll change it and to something different but uh, it reminded me of the, the sack of rabbit with his ear hanging off <laughs> so, so that's why that's why John Cavan is tweeting this week acting like he can tell the media what to do because he can really isn't he you know you, you taught him the fucking bad lessons it's your, yeah. it's your fucking well, fault well you know if somebody <laughs> makes a good point you, you, it's yeah what was it the, the guy from BC Boy said? I'd rather be a, a hypocrite than never change my mind. Oh, I know that's fucking good, actually. That is a that's a good one. But anyway, speaking of damage, so put that in your pipe and smoke it, John. I fucking I wouldn't be smoking much these days. Speaking of the damage, Darren Elkins is the greatest MMA fighter to ever live. Discuss. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. He's he's very fun to to watch, but uh, no. Well, it, was, it was a bit of a weird Darren Elkins fight, that, wasn't it? There wasn't much. Uh, wasn't a whole lot of damage involved. Um, we usually see him just gonna get absolutely smashed on the feet before eventually winning. Um, but uh, it was very kind of a veteran savvy performance from Elkins just <laughs> to engage the grappling. His eye was fucking battered though. He had a big red fucking bloodshot eye. Uh, yeah, but there's a different there's a different uh, standard when we're talking uh, about Darren Elkins. That's damage. part of the that's part of the plan. Yeah, it's like a fucking, <laughs> he gets he gets yeah. a cut worse than that when he's fucking shaving in the morning, Darren Elkins. <laughs> and what and he uses manscaped, does he? Unless sure he unless, <laughs> unless he's using manscaped, then he gets no calls. <laughs> there's beautiful light on it and everything. Promo code Superman, but uh like Darren Elkins is one of these guys we need, <laughs> we, need, we need to fucking appreciate him him and Diego Sanchez and Mikel Pereira and all these guys just mad fucking bastards who will go out there and throw it all on the line and probably get fucking knocked out most of the time but we'll keep oh I love Darren Elkins I, I like when uh, John Anik asked him he's like oh were you, were you rocked after one of those punches yeah. he goes oh no no definitely wasn't rocked I, I was just stunned yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a fucking legend. What a, what a fucking legend. Uh, take us through the last two fights, Sandy. Giles and Romanov. Got, I, I thought Romanov looked pretty good. I think he... I, I know that forearm choke was a, a bit of an odd one, maybe. But I think at, at heavyweight, this guy could be a bit of a threat. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, very good grappler. Um, he kind of got smashed with some leg kicks early on and immediately shot a power double um, and just looked very dominant once he got uh, the fight to the ground. I think that was, they said it was the, the third forearm choke that he's had. So... Um, 
uh, it seems like, I mean I'm no jiu-jitsu expert but it seems like a very kind of rudimentary choke to get caught with but I suppose when it, when you're a heavyweight there's a lot more pressure kind of being put, forced down on, on your opponent there so maybe it's easier to kind of pull off chokes like that when you're at a much higher weight class um, but I mean he's obviously uh, been practicing it yeah, it, it looks like a choke that like somebody who's like a, an MMA fighter would do to somebody who's not an MMA fighter, or a big brother would do to his little brother. Uh, <laughs> just kind of pin him down on the ground. Like you, you're thinking, ah, come on, you, there must be some kind of way you can get out of this. Like yeah, it's a real like policeman just, choke. Just see. Yeah, it's, it's a real. Uh, I, I like maybe I'm wrong. I don't do jujitsu, but it looked like you should be able to escape that pretty, you know, pretty easily. Obviously, we see people like Olenek who you see things like that as well. Some guys are just really good at that kind of these kind of sneaky jokes that are rarely used. And obviously, maybe when you you haven't trained for it, you're put in it and you're kind of you're trying to figure out what to do, and then all of a sudden you're asleep. Yeah. And uh, when a guy's name is Marcos Rogério de Lima as well, you don't think he should be fucking getting choked by something like this? Like, how is a man with a name like that not really good at Brazilian jiu-jitsu? It makes no sense. But anyway, how does Trevin Giles fight guy? Didn't see it. What, what, what was the crack with that? Yeah, um, I, I I was kind of uh, half caught watching this fight, so I don't remember it to, to the best of my knowledge. But uh, he got a nice uh, finish in the third round. I think he kind of pieced him up for the first two, and then um, yeah, just got the finish in the third. I don't uh, I don't have much to say about that one. Unfortunately, Fuck, I was uh, had a few too many Guinness from uh, the, the pub delivery. Very unprofessional. Right next week, um, the last night's card was pretty good. I thought but next week's card is. Not the best card in the world. It's, uh, I hope John Tevin I didn't fucking tear the head off me, but not not the best card in the world. But with some interesting things on it, obviously we have uh, the return of Abdul Razak Al Hassan to come in the event versus Chaos Williams. We'll talk about the main event in a minute. Uh, Spakarov versus Julian Mar- uh, Marquez. Eric Anders probably putting on another boring fight, uh, and other people as well. But we the first thing we talk about. Uh, Reese McKee coming Your back boy, in Lewis here. Smoker. My boy Lewis Smoker's on as well. Yeah, Patrick Sheehan's <laughs> favorite fighter. Lewis Smoker's on this fight. That's a pretty. Good. And Randa Marcos, my girl, Team Sheehan. I love a bit of Randa Marcos. But um, Alex Morona versus Reese McKee. Graham, first of all, here, what, what do you think of this fight for Reese? Obviously, the first this fight he came into the UFC fought uh, the fucking Habib Part Two and and got obviously fucking destroyed and on short notice. Everyone, <laughs> different weight and yeah, yeah, everyone seems to be. What what do you think uh, of this fight for Reese in his second fight from the UFC? Well, I think it's definitely a, a more winnable fight. It is at one seventy again, which I'm not sure. I like Reese at this stage. Um, I think I prefer to see him at one fifty five, but. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Let you see off from off from this fight. He's going to take it. You know, you don't want to sit on sit on that dominant loss for too long, even if it is against a guy who's you know bigger and a top a top guy in in, in waiting uh, in most people's in most people's minds. But uh, this is definitely a, a more winnable fight. It's definitely not an easy fight either, though. Um, I think. Uh, I think I'd probably edge towards Reese, but uh, the fact that it's 170 and you know he, he could the, the blueprint of, of taking Reese down is kind of you know in the UFC is kind of there and that could easily be what Morono Mar- goes for here. So if if he can get takedowns, it it could be his night. But I think people might a lot of people who haven't followed him might write him off after that Shimaya fight. But uh, I definitely think uh, he's going to go. Um, or he can he can go a long way against uh, with the right matchups uh, earlier in his early in his UFC career, but 
like you know this is this is a very important fight now like you don't want to go oh and two in the ufc um especially when you got demolished in the first one so i think this is this is a big fight for reese and uh, kind of like not a must win but a very important uh to get the victory here yeah and andy what do you think i i think reese has kind of said that uh he's not going back to 155 you know speaking to him before he wants to stay at 170 that the weight was too mm. much to get there but I, I I don't know. Yeah, like I think when you get to the UFC and maybe you can do it full time and getting a bit more money and maybe getting a bit more professional strength and conditioning and stuff, then it might might be a little bit easier. It might be something to be worth trying. But I don't know. And what, what do you think of the the matchup anyway, Andy? What do you think yeah. of the, the weight class? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right there. I can't at least right now. I can't see him going back down to one fifty five. I think I mean, it was I think it was now McGrath. Uh, did that thing for off the ball a while back where they followed his weight cut and like it seemed absolutely horrific and he's he, he, people generally tend to get bigger and fill out more as they get older I know Reese is what 25 now um, so he, he's probably still putting on a bit of muscle and stuff like that um, I'd say we'll see him at 170 for this foreseeable future um, I, I, like his debut was such a, a tough, I and mean, we didn't really know, I suppose we did because we saw the Phillips fight, but we didn't truly know uh, just how good um, Chimaev was when, when Reese fought him. Uh, it was a very, very, very difficult matchup, and we all saw how it played out. I don't think this is an easy matchup by any means um, that they've given him for a second test. Uh, like I still it's, I think it's quite a difficult one. Um, I know that um, Morono's a, a former Legacy FC welterweight champion. Uh, obviously, Reese McKee is a champion of Bama. Um, I think that kind of Morono leaves himself open a little bit. Like he kind of swings a bit wildly. So I think there's definitely opportunities for Reese to capitalize on that. And, and if you can kind of play a smart game plan on the feet and just kind of keep moving, stay at length and, and pick him off from the outside, I think he's got a very good chance. Um, I think technically he's a better striker than Morono. Um, but Morono does hit hard and, and he's, he has the ability to put people out. So um, it's, there's definitely a danger uh, aspect here. But um, if, if Reese McKee can implement a good game plan, I think he can get a, get a victory here and, and potentially even a finish. I think Morono is one of those guys watching his fights where he he doesn't look like he's the best fighter in the world, but then you watch what happens in his fights, and he's very effective. Like, he kind of wades in, he looks like he's kind of big and slow, and then he throws these fast fucking straight shots inside, and he's a lovely jab at times and things like that. Now, he can get a bit squared up, and I think if you are, as you said there, you know, if you're Reese and you can get that jab in there, if you can pivot off, maybe land a couple of combinations as you move away, I think there's real grounds to win it there, but I think it's going to take a really good game plan and a really, uh, you know, uh, a good performance of that game plan to beat Morona because Morona is a very, very good fighter and it's a, it's it's a tough fight for Reese, I think, but it's a very winnable one if he fights his best. You know, we've seen Reese before, myself and Graham have talked about it in this podcast before, and some of the performances he's, he has given have been some of the best we've ever seen from Irish MMA fighters, and he's going to need another one of them again, I think, and he's going to need to to raise his game, but... You know, he has that in him, definitely. And what I know a lot of people listening to this podcast might have never seen Reese McKee before, uh, uh, apart from the Shimaya fight, if they've only watched if they only watched the UFC or whatever. But Reese is a very, very good fighter. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would expect a, a good performance from him. Yeah, all, all the lads up the north would tend to talk about, like, the touch of death that he possesses as well. Like, I, I definitely fall into the trap sometimes of looking at fighters uh, and looking at their build and thinking, okay, this lad's kind of like a tall, skinny fighter. Maybe he doesn't hold as much power. But then, like, you look what he did, say, like, Hack and Foss with that jab. In, uh, in Cork last year and like literally just put him down with a with a jab so I mean 
that shows that he definitely possesses a lot of power in his hands and um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is potentially even fight of the night like I think we'll either see a finish or if, if it goes to a decision I think it'll be a very back and forth war um, I don't see it being a, a, as much of a like a, a tactical kind of chess match I think I think there'll be a, a lot of a lot of damage thrown here yeah yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I think it'll be a really really good fight whichever way it goes so uh, yeah it's good to good to see Reese back again uh Whichever way it goes, anyway. Uh, and then the main event, Islam Makachev. W- watching a bit of his fights last night. You know, he's a sopa as well, like Dosanyas. But Dosanyas, we know what his issue has been down through the years. Someone catching on to him, pulling him down and making it a big, big problem for him. Graham, what, what do you think of this one? Do you think Dosanyas has much of a chance here? Or do you think it'll be Makachev all the way? I believe it was Aldo who was talking about him moving camp and the best he's ever looked and all that stuff. But we we've heard that so that kind of maybe not with the Sanyas, but we've heard that stuff with so many fighters before and they come out the same fighter. So maybe there's something there. But even if there is, he's going to have to make some serious improvements. I think uh, uh, to to beat Makachev. Uh, yeah, I, uh, just it's it's uh, the blueprint is there, you know, and it's kind of Makachev's game. So yeah, I I don't really see it any other way. Andy, yeah, what do you I, think? I agree. Um, I think it's a nightmare matchup for for DeSanjos, and I think it's the perfect matchup for yeah. uh, Makachev to establish himself as, uh, as someone to really take seriously in the division. I know uh, Ordia has been jumping up and down between 155 and 170 uh, the last number of years, but I mean, he hasn't. He generally doesn't look great against uh, pressure heavy wrestlers, and that's exactly what Islam Makachev is. Um, his striking isn't the best, but I mean, I, I think we all know what to expect from these guys, especially coming uh, from AKA and and training with Khabib and um, all the Dagestanis are generally just pressure-heavy grapplers that their striking may not be the best, but it's effective when used in conjunction with their, their grappling. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Makachev will give you a few more chances than Habib, all right? I don't think he's... I don't think his wrestling is as good. I think his striking is a little bit better, all right? A little bit more dangerous, a little bit more, uh, you know, technical, I suppose, as you said there, but... Uh, I think the way kind of Habib uses his striking because people are so fearful of his wrestling probably makes it maybe a little bit, you know, a little bit more effective from for the way he uses. Whereas it was just a striking match, I think it'd be Makachev. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, like a bit of time on the feet here and Makachev was kind of hitting him to the body, kind of softening him up a little bit. Because RDA, if you are a wrestler against him, he kind of ju- does. Uh, make you know you, you can kind of make him stop in the middle and kind of not fight you for a while as well, uh, and especially if you have a half round like pulling him against the cage and stuff. So yeah, I, I find it very hard to see Dosanyas winning this. To be honest, so yeah, I'm going for for Makachev here. Um, right, the Bellator two five one card that happened uh the other day, not not a big card at all. I'm I'm sure you didn't see loads of it, but. Um, I, I know Andy you said of Vanderford fight so I'll throw that to you for a second but uh, Derek Anderson got a nice head kick KO Tyrell Fortune got a good win and a, a, a fantastic interview afterwards uh, George Carcanyon won a split decision as well uh, Janae Harding won and I think called out Liam McCourt afterwards so that's a fight I think it was supposed to happen before that could happen again um, and in the the two I suppose big fights in the card, Austin Vanderfort uh, and Vini- uh, versus Vinicius De G- Jesus and Corey Anderson, Melvin Manhoff. Um, Andy, first of all, it's Austin Vanderfort fight. What do you what do you think of that? 
Yeah, I was very impressed by Vanderford. Um, I thought he dominated from from start to finish. Really, um, I had it. I, I think I might be a, a little bit liberal with my uh, ten eight rounds. Uh, probably need to have a look at that. But I, I had a thirty twenty five for Vanderford, giving him a ten eight in the final two rounds. Um, I don't know if that's it was quite that that wide, but um, I saw there was one thirty twenty six um uh, scorecard there. So he he kind of has like again he he's a, he's clearly comes from a wrestling background. Um it's very effective and when he gets lots of the ground he does throw but I think he just needs to kind of maybe develop a little bit more um, as, far, as far as his ground and pound and like when he gets to those advantageous positions just being able to kind of uh, put fighters away like I think there were potentially opportunities where he could have finished the fight um, and definitely could have thrown more on the ground so I mean as you guys have talked about a lot in the podcast like uh, scoring these days you need to be landing damage um, to, to be scoring in fights so it's not enough anymore just to take people down and, and control them from top position so um, I thought he, he did land uh, a lot as the, the fight war, uh, went on and, and as he wore uh, down his opponent but um, yeah I was very, very impressed and I think he moved to 10-0 and, and, and undefeated still obviously um, so he's kind of a prospect in, in Bellator at the moment Yeah just as you were talking about it there I actually I thought I hadn't watched the fight but I actually did go back and watch it and I was, I was impressed with him I thought, he looked uh, he looked you know he looked good but the one thing, I mean, this might sound uh, weird, but uh, j- j- the fact that he's married to Paige Van Zandt, right, and can do this full time, I think that's a big advantage for a guy like that. Because most li- lads maybe coming through, uh, you know, 5, 6, 7 and all, now up to, to 10 and all, probably don't have the opportunity to do that. Now, may- like, maybe they're living at home and maybe they have to do stuff or maybe they're working or maybe they're, you know, in school or in college or in, or, you know, forking fucking dinnies or cleaning mats or whatever, whatever afterwards. But I think maybe that him having that advantage and having all, like, the best uh, opportunities to do things as well, I'm sure has, has helped him. So, you know, I thought he looked really, really good. Look, his cardio looked absolutely fantastic as well. And, you know, he's... He's a, a very, very good fighter, so interesting to see where he goes uh, after this. Um, and then the main event, <coughs> Corey Anderson versus Melvin Manov. Like, this is absolutely horrible matchmaking. Like, it's just, this fight should never have been fucking made. Corey Anderson just went in there, took down Melvin Manov, beat the head off him. It was horrible. Oh, Graham, what did you think of the, the matchmaking? I don't know if you saw the fight, but this was bad matchmaking, wasn't it? Yeah, well, we kind of said it before, you know, uh, Melvin Manhoff, even at his best, wasn't the wasn't the, the best MMA fighter. Uh, obviously, he has some good, very good striking skills and leg kicks everybody knows about, but, you know, Corey Anderson's a well-rounded, high fight IQ, good at following game plan fighter, so there was never really much chance for Manhoff here. Uh, I suppose he has a little bit of a name, and that's probably what Bellator are thinking, but, yeah, it Definitely not the best matchmaking. Yeah, yeah it really just looked like it looked like Anderson was just kind of going through a not even a sparring session. Like uh, when he John those ground and pound sessions that the lads do with the the heavy bag or the whatever the kind of the bags are. Um, like man, have just offered nothing from the ground, and and Anderson just rained elbows down for a while before it was eventually stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like not basically a grappling about. dummy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's not much to say about it apart from. I gave Melvin Manoff chewing gums on, so that's that's all I have to say about that. But anyway, um, next week's Bellator card in a huge night for Irish MMA. As, just, uh, just uh, did you see um, Liam McCourt called out uh, Janae Harden after a win yeah, as well? She did, yeah, yeah. So yeah, could so, be an interesting one for okay. hashtag Irish MMA. Indeed, indeed. And another interesting one for Irish MMA: Pedro Carvalho fighting for the Bellator 145 pound title against. Uh, Patricio Pitbull like I know this fight was supposed to happen a while back and kind of talked about it a little bit before but like I think 
Pedro has a chance in this fight just because he's not afraid to throw his hands. He's a very skilled fighter. Now, I think that might lead to him maybe getting taken down or maybe getting caught inside, pushed against the cage, maybe land some big shots inside. But this, to me, is like going to be a really, really fun fight. And it, it, like, it looks like one of those fights as well. Or maybe Patricia Pitbull might underestimate him a little bit. You know, all the talk so far has been like who I'm fighting next and all that from, from Pitbull. And if he does that, if he underestimates Pedro a little bit, it could be a tough fight. Now, I'm picking Pitbull. I think Pitbull will win. But Pedro Carvalho, I don't think, is already his chance. Graham, I know you've been around the gym. Pedro's been around there a good bit. What, what's kind of been the talk around this PG about Pedro Carvalho for the last few years? Do you think they have a chance here? Yeah, but he's, de- he's definitely a big prospect. And, you know, wins over Daniel Crawford and Derek Campos, Sam Cecilia are, are good wins. But this is definitely uh, a step up, you know. Uh, Patricio, Pitbull is coming off wins over, over Chandler and Sanchez and Daniel Weichel, Daniel Strauss. You know, he lost uh, to Henderson with a leg injury. So he definitely has the the higher the higher level of of high level experience but you know if 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 as you said he does come in here pitbull and underestimates carvalho a bit he could be in big trouble you know as long as he's looking like he's looked in in his last few fights his last like five or six i think i think it's his fight to win uh andy what, what do you think it's like yeah I, i'm very excited for it um a question for you graham I suppose um like is this the the biggest fight in maybe irish MMA history outside of a conor mcgregor fight i know he's portuguese but no i yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Like even like you know, um, you know, Gunner would have a huge fight. It, it just isn't the same. I don't know. People don't see it the same way. I know he's been training in Ireland a long time, but yeah, I don't think he's caught the the imagination of the, the kind of Irish MMA fans of the following yet. Uh, maybe he can, but I think uh, I think in order for it to be like one of the biggest Irish MMA fights you kind of need that excitement that just I don't think is there maybe it'll build up during the week but I, I um, maybe if it was the olden days where Carvalho could have fought in like you know cage contender main events or you know, on Irish soil a lot of people would be kind of more behind him like they were behind Gunnar Nelson or an Artem Lobov for example but I think um, obviously if he goes out here and, and wins it'd be a huge win and people start paying attention then uh, but I don't think it, he's like caught on with the, with the fans and the Irish MMA crowd yet yeah I, I think I think the uh, what works in his favour I suppose like obviously it's, it's a massive step up in competition to Patricio Pitbull but um, coming off the back of three back to back finishes um, I think will give him a lot of confidence to, to make the kind of jump um, I know it's kind of you can't really put too much stock into it but like Patricio's gone to a decision a lot of times lately so um, you'd expect kind of Carvalho to start very quickly um, and look for a finish but um, yeah it's a big ask but uh, it's a, I don't know it's one of those ones where it's kind of hard to tell because it's it is a big jumper competition and we haven't seen him fight anyone like that before so um, you'd have to lean Pitbull yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if, if you finished him yeah Pedro has been looking like he's improving every fight to fight but it's just you know the level of competition and the level of wins that Patricio uh, has been getting for a long a long number of years I just think you know it would be hard to it'd be hard to pick against him yeah it's easy. I keep forgetting that uh, Pedro Carvalho is only uh, 25 as well like, he looks about 40 that's very me. I wonder as well how like maybe the lockdowns would affect Carvalho as well. You know, I know uh, Pitbull is training. I, I think he trains mostly in America, doesn't he? So like they don't give a shit over there, so he'd be fine. But 
Yeah, the lockdowns might not be the best thing in the world for Carvalho, but who who knows? I think it'll be a good fight anyway. So looking forward to seeing that. There's some other good fights as well in the card. You know, Daniel White and Emmanuel Sanchez, the the ultimate belt or uh, fight, I suppose. There's a huge fight in in the welterweight division under that. Twenty four and all, Yaroslav Amasov versus eleven and all, Logan Storley. You know, America versus uh, Eastern Europe. So that should be a a really really good fight. And if Amasov wins that, I think he'd probably be fighting. Uh, Douglas Lima, who's still in the shadow of his brother Diego Lima, but uh, Aaron Pico as well on the card here versus John De Jesus. Uh, eight or thirteen and eight is De Ju- Jesus's record. So uh, you know that we always look at that when uh, when Aaron Pico is fighting. Um, K- Kerry Taylor Melendez is on the card as well. Obviously, we know. Uh, and uh, other people as well after that. Andy, before we go, take us through. There's a couple of other Irish people fighting this weekend, isn't there? What's, what's the story with that? Yeah, so there's a card, um, the e- EFM four cards, the European Fight Masters. So there's a, a three lads. I think I think there were some changes to the cards. There's two lads from Phantom uh, MMA. So that's Mikey McCoy uh, making his pro debut, um, and then also uh, uh, I'm gonna butcher this name, but da- David Wisnos or Wisnos. I think he's Polish, uh, training out of Phantom MMA as well. Uh, he's one and zero. And then there's an SBG guy as well that's just stepped in on short notice in the co-main event uh, called uh, Kershed Kakorov. So he's five and zero. Um, and I think he's from Tajik- Tajikistan, uh, or I think he's like a Tajikistan originally, and uh, or maybe German, uh, or living in Germany. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if Graham's familiar with him. He, he trains in SBG, but he's fighting in the co-main event there as well. So three um, Irish-based fighters fighting uh, on European Fight Masters four. Um, so that's on Tuesday, and I think it's at uh, seven thirty p.m. CET. So that's what half six Irish time, and then yeah, I think you can watch it on EFM MMA. Or efmma.tv, and I think it's like four euro or something like that. What about uh, Jason Kearns from last week? How did he get on? Oh yeah, um, so Jason Kearns made his debut. So I interviewed him last week. He's uh, he trains and lives out in Dubai. Under um, you guys might know, I, I wouldn't be familiar. Uh, it'd be before my time. But Merv Mulholland um, used to fight in Cage Warriors, so he's he's trained under him. I think he used to fight uh, under the IFS MMA banner. Um, up in Belfast, um, it was a good win. Uh, not a great fight, to be honest. Um, I thought Kern's very, very good in the first round. His grappling was dominant. Um, I, I think. I mean, he's very green. Like it's his pro debut, and he only started fighting a couple of years ago, so he is still a bit green. But um, like he, he got to mount fairly easily. He almost uh, finished with an armbar to end the round. I think if he can kind of capitalise on those um, very advantageous positions on, on the ground, then um, yeah, I think he just needs to kind of learn to. To finish those, but I mean, um, the second and third round, uh, not not a great fight. I think uh, you'd have to expect the humidity and uh, and the the heat there in Dubai it was outdoors. Um, had an effect, but both fighters looked very very tired. Um, so it was a bit of a sloppy kind of second and third round, especially as the fight wore on. Um, and then there were some strange cards read out. So it was like a 29-20, 30-20 and a 28-29 split decision. So I think the, was, the announcer read them that? out wrong. Was Ben Cartlidge working that card? Or was <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't working that one, unfortunately. But um, yeah, good win for him. Good to see uh, Irish people fighting abroad as well. And, and uh, yeah, Han Ireland. 
Fair play to him. Right, lads, that's it. We've, we've struggled through it. We've got there at the end. Technical issues, fucking physical issues, biological issues, the whole fucking lot. Probably chemical issues now with Graham on the fucking podcast as well. But sure. And how and ever. Thank you, lads. Graham, Andy, any any final rebuttals it's ter- before we terrible go? slander. It's terrible slander. No, it's not. It's a, it's a plant, Graham. I'm sure as you... you as a... <laughs> it's a natural, natural thing. Chemicals, chemicals. Chemicals, yeah. Fuck's sake. Right. Go on, I've struggled away long enough. Thanks everyone for listening. Manscaped, uh, promo code Severe May. You get 20% off and free shipping. And we've been for another now couple of weeks off. So you want to uh, get it for Christmas? Now be the time. I came, mine came in like what, four or five days. I think you were the same, lad. So if you want to get it now, get it for Christmas, get it while the lockdown is still going. You'll be starting back or shopping hopefully in the 1st of December. So uh, manscaped.com. Bush out first and then, uh, then yeah, pick up one. Fucking fact. Like you could shave now and then you have another shave before Christmas as well, as well to keep it fresh. So absolutely perfect. Promo code Severe and May. Get 20% off free shipping. Shipping fucking annoys me a lot. So the free shipping is nearly better for me than the 20% off because I hate fucking paying for shipping. But anyway, do that. Patreon.com as well. Uh, patreon.com as well that's not it patreon.com forward slash severe may podcast uh, sign up there as well and all that's left to do now lads is give the inspiration quote of the week don't ever take a fence down until you know what's being put up we'll see you next Tuesday or something there